Hello, everybody. It's Leslie Jane Seymour. I'm the founder of Covey Club, and I'm here for Reinvent Yourself, our podcast about women doing amazing things at any time in their life. You can be 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, and still have a great life. Um, And you should never, ever think that you're too old to do something new. I have Julian McRoberts, who I know as a photographer. She did some photography for me and has done stuff for me when I was a print editor. I thought she was always a photographer. Little did I know that, oh my God, she did 20 other things before she became a photographer. Um, You won't believe it by looking at her work. You just, you just won't, you will just think she was always a photographer. She was not. Um, she's, as she said, the thread that she discovered running through her life was that she was a producer. Um, she was a producer of things out in, um, in Hollywood. She was a producer at animal shelters. She was a producer of, and a, and a sort of COO kind of operations person in many ways. And then she took a local photography course. I know you've heard me say this before. It could be at your local high school. And she took a local photography course when, and turned her life into something else. And she became a professional photographer. And she did that for the last 12 years, totally loved it, was very, very successful, was making a six-figure salary. And then, of course, professional photography got disrupted by technology and the internet. Like many of us, she's had to rethink again. And I think you'll love her story and her very practical, I really dug down with her into her really practical steps of how she tried to go about figuring out who's out there now who needs visual material. It may not be a print magazine anymore. It may be a different direction. And how she went about finding those people and rethinking. What I love also is that she did use a coach. And just because I'm very curious about people who do invest in themselves and invest in their future and I'm not saying that coaches are great for everybody, but I think it's interesting when you really talk to some people, they find that helps them. It gets them unstuck. And so she talks very clearly about that and she talks about where she is and she talks about this being one very long journey and how she's kind of pivoted and she's totally looking forward and up and excited about where she's headed in even in a very disrupted kind of metier. And so I hope you'll enjoy listening to her. Here she is. Hello, Julian McRoberts. How are you today? I'm fantastic. How are you, Leslie? I am so good. And I am just so thrilled to have you. You and I have done many things together in the past. And I think you're such an incredible talent. And I was so shocked to find out, I mean, really, honestly, when I look at your website, which everybody should go do, which is julianmcroberts.com. I just can't believe that you were not a photographer your whole life. And when I found out you weren't, I just was dumbfounded. And you've done so many different things that I think you're just going to be a wonderful conversation today. So let's start out with What's the most important? You have so many reinventions. Where do we start? Where would you like to start? I'm not going to start chronologically with you at all. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And I'm happy to just share whatever I can to help other women, people that are going through a transition and trying to reinvent themselves, which for me has always just been a process from one Mm. step to the next um, Mm -hmm. throughout various careers that 
sometimes didn't seem like they had much to do with each other. But as I look back over the course of these interesting careers, there really always has been a common thread. And for me, it's always been about the journey mm-hmm. and not so much the destination. It's really about enjoying the process because, you know, you have to be open to looking for the opportunities and be curious and, you know, walking through those doors that sometimes may seem a little bit scary. Interesting. So be open to looking for the opportunities. Yeah, I've heard that before. Um, Mm -hmm. Somebody, I remember when we did a book at Moore about reinvention, one woman very wisely said, she said, you have to be open to the opportunities that constantly throw themselves in front of you. And I think that's true. true. Absolutely. If you're not in the mindset, you won't see them, correct? No, you're so right, because I have to be honest, recently, over this past year or so, I was feeling very stuck. And I think there's a lot of women, whether they're creatives or businesswomen, they get to a place where they just get stuck and they don't know how to move out of it. And for me, I had to get a coach to just kind of whack me upside the head. Ooh, and help me talk get about that. Oh, oh, talk to me about that, because we talk about, I'm slowly dipping into the coaching thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I just did in the March issue, if you look at our March issue, um, the editor's letters about investing in yourself. And I'm sort of surprised by the number of women who are stuck, who need help, who need that sort of little extra push from the tugboat to get out of the sandbar they're stuck on. Um, But they won't pay for the tugboat. And yet they'll pay for the Botox, they'll pay for the handbag, they'll pay for the sandals, they'll pay for their kids' um, special tutoring, for the special ski board that the kid wants, the upgraded phone, but they won't invest in themselves. So talk to me a little bit about investing in coaches and how much you've spent and why. Well, honestly, I've used a few coaches in the past when I first moved to New York City from Santa Fe, and it helped make a bit of a difference, but... I came across a coach recently. I hadn't used one in years and I happened to be at a party in our building. He was the boyfriend of one of our, um, one of our girls that does yoga with us. And I got to talking with him and he worked with top end athletes, top end executives to get them to transition when they're leaving their Olympic career or they're leaving Mm. their athletic career to get them to be motivated and transition and find deep within themselves who they are and make them get uncomfortable. I thought, oh, you would be perfect for a lot of women I know. So we ended up having a conversation. And I have to tell you, just that one conversation with him, I was sold and decided to make the investment and work with him. And it honestly, this time of year as a photographer, it's slow. So Mm -hmm. to have to cough up $3,000 was not exactly the most comfortable thing Uh to do. But Mm -hmm. I have to tell you, if I only had one meeting with him, it made all the difference in the world. And so we're working for the next few months. Mm -hmm. But honestly, what I got most out of it was the internal change. And I noticed immediately once I changed my mindset Mm -hmm. and became more positive and started looking at those opportunities again, it, Mm -hmm. the floodgates just opened. And it's really been about planting seeds every day because you never know where that will take you. Yes. So what kind of, so this is the biggest investment you've made in coaching before. Yeah. So you were doing little, you were doing little things before for a few hundred bucks here or there. And now you've taken the big plunge, right? This one was different. It was not about, okay, let's have an action plan and let's do all our steps. It wasn't about the tasks. 
Okay. There are tasks involved. It was also about, you know, upgrading my messaging, but also finding out really who am I and how do I want to take control over this? I felt like I got my control back. Wow. Um, I have direction. I have more passion again. And I was at a point where, you know, my industry has changed radically, um, as you know. Yes. And it's like, oh, gosh, I don't want to do career number six. What do I want to do? I really love <laughs> photography. So I was like, oh, my God, now what? I don't want to do this all over again. Uh-huh. And it was really about pivoting, but it was only a small pivot. It was just okay. a few tiny steps to okay. refocus and look at those opportunities that were out there. Who do I know and who can I partner with? And let's plant some more seeds every day and showing up at different networking events. And, for example, I get this email every once in a while from Feature Shoot. Oh, send in your photos for this particular contest, and if you win, you're going to be in a gallery in Australia. I generally just dismiss those because mm-hmm. they're really money makers. Mm-hmm. But this one, I knew the woman, and they also had the other little extra bonus that you would be able to send in a submission for your dream shoot, and they would help fund your dream shoot. Mm-hmm. I never do this. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to plant new seeds. I'm mm-hmm. going to just throw that out there and pitch my story and send in some photos. Well, about three weeks later, I got an email that I got awarded the grant. Oh, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> I know. Like, oh, my God. So it's about stepping out and planting those seeds and doing something that you wouldn't always necessarily do. It's kind of like seeing the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. So the, that, that type of coaching was so beneficial to me to really give me a new sense of direction and getting out of my lane where I was mm-hmm. stuck and finding new pathways. So let's talk about reinvention one through five. (laughs) Can you talk about, you know, where did you come from? What did you start out with? And you can just run us through quickly um, what those things were. I'll give you the uh, shortened version. Basically, I I have a degree in interior design from uh, Fashion Institute in Los Angeles. Oh, uh, which I have not used until I got to career number five. So my mother's okay. very happy about this, that my uh, degree is now finally paying off because I do shoot some interiors. But okay. I ended up as a fashion agent in San Francisco. Um, loved it. Fun job. But we were a little tired of moving and living in San Francisco. So we wanted to move to Los Angeles. And for me, a natural transition was I want to be a casting director. I had oh. done a little bit of it as it related to fashion, but didn't know anybody in LA. So just started kind of pounding the pavement. My husband got on the line and he was my foil. He played headhunter and got himself into various agencies and made the introductions and really built me up. It was a lot of fake it till you make it in those early days. And he got me into some interesting agencies that made offers. And then finally I started working as a casting director. That's and did that for a couple of years. Just because you decided you wanted to do it and you just figured yeah. out how to, that's pretty yeah. amazing. Okay. That's incredible. Put it out there. Just sometimes there's a, sometimes I would put blinders on just kind of oblivious to the fact that um, I don't have the, the stellar resume or have the, all the cred or the experience. Mm-hmm. You just kind of got to go for it. Mm-hmm. So that was a fun career. Um, although after two years, I realized it was really a burnout job and had okay. met um, an actress through that. And she had this really fun job. And some of you that are in the audience will remember that video dating service called Great Expectations. They were all over the U.S. many years ago. They were the precursor to everything that's on the Internet. And this woman said, I love my job. I'm a videographer at this company. We need somebody. Why don't you come over? I'm like, oh, opportunity. I can get out of casting and I can go do something kind of related. So I ended up working my way into that company. And I said, oh, there's a position called director of operations and training. I want that job. So out of this whole big company, I finagled my way in and got that job just by being persistent and figuring out what doors could open and who 
could I find out that could help me to get to that position and how could I help them? So flash forward, I did get that position about a year or two into that career. And it was one of the most fun jobs until I got bought out. We all got downsized and laid off. Okay. And what was that position? What the heck were you doing? Basically, it was the best business experience I ever had. I was doing center turnarounds and audits and openings and sales trainings and doing lining up the conventions and public speaking. So basically, you had to know everything about that business from soup to nuts. So it taught me again, to get uncomfortable. I did not want to have to do sales. I did not like the Mm -hmm. idea of doing sales, but as a requirement, I had to be a 90% closer, which terrified Mm me. Mm -hmm. And I was awful at it. But with training and again, getting uncomfortable and learning and learning with new tools, it got me to that job because I was able to encapsulate everything they needed me to know to fulfill that position. Okay. All right. So next. Yeah. Downsized, out of a job. New home in Santa Fe. Not good. So I thought I would take Why all that wonderful Why did you move to Santa business. Fe, though, Jillian? Oh. oh, you know what? It was a, not a very fun time in Los Angeles. It was the uh, earthquake era and O.J. Simpson. And we mm-hmm. just wanted to have a calmer lifestyle. And we were outdoorsy. Okay. I love to ski and raft. So okay. it was really about setting some roots in over there. Okay. But I was able to take um, all that wonderful business knowledge that mm-hmm. I had been so lucky to have over five years and think, wow, where can I, who can I help? What can I do? I ended up working for an animal shelter um, and basically volunteering at first and really entrenching myself saying, I'm going to take on a project and I want to help this poor little pitiful shelter outside of Santa Fe that desperately needed the help. So that ended up morphing into me becoming an executive director and also a business consultant to other animal shelters. And I had done that for 10 years and helped really turn around that particular industry in New Mexico. In fact, um, you know what was great about that is that one person can really make a difference. And that was really a lesson I learned out of that. Mm-hmm. I had gone to coffee one morning and saw this poster for this particular shelter with this adorable scruffy little dog. And I thought, oh, I want to adopt him. I'll call them on Monday. So I call on Monday and this woman just started berating me. Like, she was horrified. She's like, why didn't you call sooner? We just put that dog down this morning. Oh, I was horrified. So I thought I, I was just devastated. I had to do something to help. And that's kind of how, to backtrack, how I got into animal welfare. Mm. And from that, with my skills and my knowledge, I was able to start a program with one of the board members called Driving Doggies, and she worked on flying puppies. And we were one of the very first animal shelters in the country, some good almost 20 years ago, that started doing this. It was an animal transfer program. And what it did was it ended up saving thousands and thousands of lives over the years from our shelter. And then other shelters started participating in these programs. And now you find that this has gone national. Wow. Whereas in the early days, we were poo-pooed by the bigger animal agencies mm-hmm. saying, oh, you're just dumping your problem on everybody else. No, nope, so we're saving lives. We aren't dumping problems. So, so what were you doing? That's common. What were you doing exactly? We basically, we would get volunteers and we would sometimes ourselves jump in the car and take extra puppies or kitties that were health checked and socialized. We would take them to shelters from New Mexico to Denver uh, and they would get adopted there or they would go to Arizona or we would fly them from New Mexico to Boston to a couple of shelters. So they were getting homed in place as opposed to being euthanized. And it taught me that, wow. Just because it was just the, the, there was a mismatch between need and volume. Exactly. You were smoothing out that. 
Well, in these other states, they had their pet population far more under control, whereas New Mexico was very out of control. And I so see. they needed puppies. They wanted to encourage people to adopt these I other see. animals instead of going to puppy mills or I the store. Okay. So okay. It, it taught me that one person can make a difference and you can use your skills in ways that you may not expect. Mm -hmm. And next. So, um, okay, 10 years of that. <laughs> And having to fundraise and do a lot of uh -huh. this on my own. I basically uh -huh. had to raise at least a million a year. So I had to learn to become a grant writer and how uh -huh. to hustle up money for the shelter and how to uh -huh. go to legislation and go every year and you know, try to get bills passed and uh -huh. just constantly hustling to get the money in for the animals. But uh -huh. after about 10 years of this, it, it was a burnout uh -huh. situation. So uh -huh. I thought, I had a midlife crisis just driving down old Pecos Trail. It just hit me like a ton of brick. You always hear that term of midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. I didn't think that was real, but mm -hmm. it hit me just driving down the road. What do I want to do with the rest of my life? I can't mm -hmm. keep doing this. I want to do something fun. Mm -hmm. So I just decided to take one little workshop at the Santa Fe Photo Workshop. And it's like a light bulb went off. Like, oh, my oh, God. I like okay. this. Okay. I, this. I think I'm, I may be kind of good at this because I think at all the other forms of art that I tried, but this one is kind of fun. And the gentleman that was teaching the class was from Corbis. He said, you know, you have a really good eye. You mm -hmm. don't know what the hell you're doing <laughs> with mm -hmm. technique. If you can mm -hmm. learn the technique, I think you really have something here. So I did. So I basically self-taught and I just jumped in and it was meant to be. As soon mm -hmm. as I picked up that camera, I had people that I knew saying, oh, can you shoot this for me? Or by the way, wow. I have a furniture line. Can you shoot that for me? Or, oh, I know somebody, Kathy Ireland in, in California. She needs her whole furniture collection shown, shot at a convention. Can you do that? I was terrified that it was always yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to keep going through those doors that kept opening. And there was a lot of extra shooting and a lot of extra time looking up stuff on YouTube and Google in those early days to, to kind of make it all work out. Mm -hmm. But it just pushed me and people started paying me. So I thought, all right, that first year I took a hit from my normal income. Mm -hmm. uh, but I saw there was potential with that. And in the long run, it ended up being my most lucrative career and my mm -hmm. most fun. And how but, long you know, did you stay at that? Bit. I've been that? I've been doing this now for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's had its ups and downs recently with everybody now as a photographer because they have an iPhone. Yeah. So you yeah. kind of have to look and go, okay, now where do I go with this? And yes. you just kind of continue on that path. And as I mentioned earlier, I was kind of stuck on that. But um, there's right. so many opportunities. It's really about you creating your own path, your own vision, and your own opportunities. So your it's business that, now has yeah. really been disrupted. And that's one of the issues yeah. for a lot of people in a lot of these sectors that the internet, yeah. digital technology, how are you responding to that? And how, how does that, what steps are you taking to pivot to make it still work for you? Because you're going to stay in photography? Is that? Yes. Okay. Uh, yes. I'll expand on that a bit more. And that's really where I was. I kept telling myself that message. And I think that's dangerous for people to keep saying, oh, my industry has been disrupted. It's never going to be the same. And yet to some extent that's, that's true, but you can still create and be successful within your niche. You just have to get out of that mode and that negative mindset. As soon as I shifted that, it's like mm -hmm. everything started shifting. I started getting referrals and things just started showing up. It's no matter what you put out there, mm -hmm. your words create, you know, create your situation. You have to be careful and be mindful of that. So mm. again, it's back to working with that coach. Specific? As far as... Can you be specific? 
well, how that, what changed for you? So, cause we all know photography has okay. been disrupted. Everybody yeah. does have a cell phone. Everybody can do filters. Oh. Everybody yeah. can do all this stuff. So what happens yeah. to, you I mean, and talk about, I mean, you were a big time professional photographer. Yeah. You had your stuff in all of the big magazines, you know, yeah. you were making lots of money, thousands of dollars on a shoot, right? Yes. I was making a very nice six figure, uh, annual salary living in Santa Fe and it was easy there because it was a smaller market so sometimes it is good to be a big fish in a small pond uh -huh. then we moved to New York City and I was a, a minnow in an ocean right <laughs> a very right. talented photographer right so that was not the easy transition I thought it was going to be and mm -hmm. so you know it struggled with that but still kept going back and forth between New Mexico and here and shooting but mm -hmm. I really made the decision to commit myself a hundred percent to New York City this past um, December. I was in a mm -hmm. yoga class and mm -hmm. I just kind of got this message in my head that let mm -hmm. it go, mm -hmm. move forward. And mm -hmm. I did. And that's then when I met the coach and he started working for me. But I think what um, was happening for me, at least, being stuck meant I wasn't pushing myself. I wasn't being challenged. I wasn't getting out there. I was just sitting there in this funk going, oh my gosh, the industry's changed. And I was mm -hmm. not trusting enough in myself and believing in myself. So once I started getting off my butt, refreshing my website, which I hadn't done in a good year or so, mm -hmm. and started sending out emails again and doing what I did when I first started my business, when I was so driven, I got comfortable. And mm -hmm. I think that's a dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. It's very easy for mm -hmm. people to get comfortable. And then you wonder why things aren't going anywhere because you're mm -hmm. not pushing yourself. Mm -hmm. So to be able to go out and push yourself has really got me back to where I need to be. I won't say on track because that mm -hmm. was a bad track of being stuck, but mm -hmm. it helped me get in the saddle. And now I'm going to see mm -hmm. where we go. <laughs> and, and so from that, how, how are you? So how are you actually what, so you got a coach, you refreshed yeah. your website, you're approaching mm -hmm. it as if you are new to the business, but what's new yeah. about the business? Do you what's have a new or to the business? Yeah, I have several oh, things. Okay. Um, one of my clients, is an interior designer and she had referred recently referred a client to me and it didn't work out for timing reasons so the silver lining in that was um, we saw the end result of somebody that had came in to do a package for this particular person that was trying to sell their home and she went wow we could do that and we could do it way better how about if I go in as the interior designer and we offer a staging package you come in and shoot it and our web person comes in and does all the collateral materials and the website and we just package it and work it with people who are trying to force sale by owner or work with a real oh, estate attorney okay. so it's like there's a whole other business but yet it's still with photography it's like so that's an gonna, opportunity you're gonna shoot interiors and you're going to mm -hmm. stage, you're going to work with somebody who stages interiors because the yep. real estate market is not so strong right now in New York. So you go mm -hmm. in, you repurpose it, and then they bring in a professional photographer like you to, me. <laughs> to make it beautiful and put beautiful photos out there that then attracts a client. And you're doing we that. You give them the marketing package too. You so give we them the marketing website for them, okay. the marketing okay. tools, flyers, signage. Okay. So okay. it's a one-stop shop because they okay. don't always know what they don't know. Okay. And if you look on some of these Facebook sites, the photos are so bad. It's like, oh, no wonder yes. why your $2.5 million home is sitting there for months on end. So yeah, I'm, shocked. To do. I'm yeah. shocked when it's I see stuff. And especially when you're looking, we've been looking for a while um, in Paris, for instance, 
And these people who's, who don't even remove their, you know, they don't even make their bed and they shoot the, the photo. I know. It's like, at least I make know. the damn it's bed. Like, what? Really? The there's a shot of your bathroom. There's cleanup on the floor. What oh. are you thinking? <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. Well, and the other thing too that I started doing more is just really putting myself out there. I live in the Hudson Yards area, so I'm near the Javits Center. Like, I'm just going to go get my press pass and I'm going to go walk the shows for like New York Now and other things. Oh. And I try to look for stories oh. of creative women that I can then pitch to various editors that I work with. Oh, here's a story on a woman who has an alpaca farm and she makes beautiful robes and throws and home goods. So not only will I go look there for stories, but I've now started getting clients out of that. So again, it's getting out of that comfort zone. Get off so the butt. Go really, out and see where can I monetize that. So it's really like you just had to really think where could other people be who need visual yes. material instead of I'm just going to be a magazine photographer. Is that kind of the change in the thinking? Like there are so, a lot of people um, out here who need visual material or? Yes. It's both. Okay. I do love shooting editorial. So I, as right. opposed to just trying to hope that I will get into some magazine, I at least come to the table with stories. I oh, figure that's you your way to get to the, the store. I see. Okay. Come to yes. the table. Okay. I bring okay. something. Hey, okay. I saw your magazine. This might be of interest to your readers. Here's a really interesting story. Let me know if I can help you. Boom. Oh, there's see. my foot in the door. So you're and becoming also, more of a packager of stories as well. Exactly. Very and interesting. And then also... And also packaging the producing. I started looking back at all the careers and the common thread. Like, what is the common thread? Oh, geez, I've been producing my whole life from being the fashion agent, from being helping with productions on casting, when I was a casting director on sets, to the director of operations, where I had to help produce these large conventions, to the business consultant at Animal Welfare, producing mm -hmm. nonprofit um, mm -hmm. events, like production, production, production. I'm a mm -hmm. logistics person. So mm -hmm. I started incorporating that avenue as well. So I would say 50% of my clients now I'm doing production for that they don't mm. necessarily know where to find models or they don't mm -hmm. know where to get a studio or how to put the package together. And it's very stressful for some people. Mm -hmm. So I come in to help them with that process mm -hmm. um, just to make their job easier so it's more cohesive. And again, it's that one-stop shop concept. How can you make your client's life easier? How can you make them look better? How can you help them in their needs? You know, it's interesting. Um, I think that's what's happening a lot to all the things that we used to do, which were very deconstructed. In many ways, I mean, when I think about my career in magazines, I mean, you're going to laugh hysterically when I, I spent nine years at Vogue writing fashion captions. I mean, it is just, I mean, I look back and I think, I mean, it drove me insane by, I mean, by the yes. third year I was banging on everybody's door. And by the time I left, I wrote everything in the book. But there were people who sat there for, you know, 10 years and wrote just little fashion captions and they were fine with that. And we had six wow. people writing fashion <laughs> captions. It was just such a different deconstructed kind of thing. And now things are very vertical. I mean, you look at any kind of thing and it's become, you know, you go get your story, you assign it, you write it, you post it, you do the SEO, yes. you find the photographs. It's, everything is vertical. So you're in a totally. way taking that same thing and you're becoming more vertical instead of um, instead of just doing that one little, 
Absolutely. Part of it. And I get, yeah, and I get that from editors too. Oh, oh, great. Go shoot this story. And by the way, do you want to write it? Uh, yes. Wow. <laughs> I may not be the most talented writer, but I'm not yeah. going to say no. And I yeah. had another magazine contact me. Um, they're like, oh, we would like you to go review this exhibit at the Brooklyn Art Museum. Can you write this for us? I'm like, oh, wow. okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yes. Get out of my comfort zone. Writing's not my forte, but I do it. Okay. So and does it journey. get published? And does it get published? Yes. Yeah, I've had okay. various things published. Typically, if I'm on a shoot, especially if it's from my perspective, it just okay. you know, only makes sense, obviously, that the writing has to come from me. It gets about creating those situations. I'm about to go on a very interesting journey uh, to Egypt in Ooh. June. And it's a vintage tour um, going down the SS Sudan. It's like being in the 1920s. So I met these wow. crazy characters who dress and live in these 1920s attire. What? He's a, hard, he's, a, he's a Yale professor. She's a professor. I met them shooting the Jazz Aid Blonde Festival and they were Egyptologists. So we got to talking. I said, wow, it's an interesting couple. Let's stay in touch. Flash forward a few months after that. So I said, we would love to buy some of the photos that you shot of us. I, honestly, I didn't know what to charge them. These were just people I met at an event. I said, right. well, I want to learn something more. You're Egyptologist. Let's just do a trade. How about you take me to lunch and you can have some photos. I'll pick your brain. Right. So I show up to meet them at the Met, because this is such a New York thing, such a New right. York moment. I right. go to meet them, and they're still dressed 1920s. What? And I look to like, oh, they live in that era. <laughs> and so from there, I know. Uh-oh. So I think you better keep a diary for this trip. When is this happening? Oh, yeah. Oh, this my God. So, so they're putting this trip on, and they are the archaeologists. Well, they're archaeologists, also partnered with the various archaeologists um, on the ground in Egypt because they do work there six months out of the year. And this is all recreated. So everybody going down this SS Sudan, which has been refurbished to its glory of the 1920s, will be in vintage attire, myself included, except when I'm on the ground shooting. Oh <laughs> but it's going to be God. interesting. So I thought, well, there's a million stories. I've got to just get oh out there and find God. some new magazines and new periodicals and new blog posts that I can go approach with this interesting story. So Absolutely. again, it's sometimes the journey kind of leads you. Sometimes you create your own. Yes. yes. Oh, I keep forgetting. I, I need to keep going vertical with video a little more. Yes. Oh my God. Because the video will be invaluable. I mean, that's yes. really amazing. That's incredible. Yes. So you just said, okay, I'm going to do this and then I'll find an outlet later. Yes. And then okay. I decided to approach, uh, approach them as well as the person that's helping them put the tour together. These people are going to need photos. Let's see how I can monetize wow. this. So I'll be putting so up a private site. We sent out a nice letter saying there's a professional photographer on board. We'll set up some time to take photos of you in your beautiful vintage attire. You can buy photos later. Oh, so, so then again, they'll buy the photos looking, from you. Okay. Yes. Okay. So it's always that's looking for so what are the little opportunities. What are the opportunities? Mm -hmm. Don't just show up. What can you do? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's really, it's still taking what you love to do, but it is looking at how the world is different in that it's vertical mm -hmm. and saying the outlets and the needs have changed. And who are those, you're backing it up and saying, who are those people that need my service who may not have been people I ever thought in my life would need my service? Exactly. Very, very interesting. And you what, know, that's a tip ahead. I'd like to offer to your listeners too. Yes. So for me, photography has been such a gift and it made me push myself more than any other career. 
And I really encourage listeners to maybe just play with photography, just get out there, even if it's your iPhone or your, if you have a small camera. Why? Well, because it makes you see differently. It makes you look at things in a different way. It expands interests you may not have had. It allows you to meet new people or go to places you normally wouldn't have gone to. I mean, honestly, I never would have thought I would, I would always get these calls like, well, we want you to come down for a free trip to Branson, Missouri. And I was from those telemarketers, it'd always be like, click, nope, never going to mm-hmm. Branson, Missouri, not mm-hmm. a million years. Mm-hmm. Well, through 66, passes through Missouri. And sure enough, I found myself with my photo friend in Branson on a little side trip shooting stuff. So you just never know where you're going to go and find interesting things and learn from that and just it, it makes you see life differently. So how would that apply to somebody in their job or their transition? What can they see or do differently? Photography kind of takes you out of your head and puts you in that mindset. Mm-hmm. So if that can help somebody, it just encourages you to play. I think we all also get so stuck in work mode or mm-hmm. survival mode, especially mm-hmm. if you're in New York City and you have to make mm-hmm. money to live here. Mm-hmm. You just get stuck and forget to have mm-hmm. fun and you kind of mm-hmm. curl inward as opposed to opening outward. So at least that is a tool that helps you just kind of play. You know, give yourself an assignment. If you don't know what to do, it doesn't matter if the photos stink. Just go out mm-hmm. and have fun. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, talk a little bit. Um, we're almost at the end, but I do want you to talk about what's on your site, like the Route 66, where people oh, can go look. Yeah. And just explain a little bit about that, because you call it a journey, and you say this whole thing is, is the journey. How does that it, series fit into the journey that you're talking about? Well, funny enough, that came from um, my love for the roadside culture and Route 66 came from a photo assignment. I was living in Santa Fe and I got this job to shoot all these collateral materials in Tucumcari, New Mexico on Route 66. And I was rather naive and didn't even know much about Route 66. I'd always be on the major highway Mm -hmm. going by as I was driving through the state. And I fell in love with it. I thought, oh my gosh, there's so many fantastic things out here that are still Mm -hmm. intact. And how Mm -hmm. interesting is this? Mm -hmm. So one thing led to another and I started teaching workshops. Again, I was looking for those opportunities. Where can I kind of create something? So I went to Santa Fe photo workshops, oddly enough, where I first took my class and offered to do these on-the-road workshops and get people out in the field on a road trip experiencing this. And it was really about that journey, not so much destination, but from there, I just started shooting things across America, um, old ghost towns in Nevada. A couple of students over the years became good friends of mine, so we always do our girls' road trip once a year. We try to find the most wackiest, craziest, fun places to go or go shoot mid-century America like Wildwood, New Jersey or mm. Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. So it's really about getting out, exploring, playing, having fun, having fun with friends. And it's really that journey. So on my site, you'll see a lot of that. You'll see interesting, quirky things that most people don't see, uh, especially living in New York. We're in the city. So I shoot mm-hmm. a lot of small town rodeo. Mm-hmm. Native, I've been very, very blessed to be able to shoot a lot of Native American communities, uh, mm-hmm. especially the Navajo Nation. I work on a lot of projects with them. So it's really about getting to see these journeys that you may not get to go to. It's like a, being a voyeur in a sense. Mm-hmm. And seeing what's in our own backyard that most people don't realize. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, we're at the end of our time. I feel like I just started talking with you two seconds ago and we're at the end here. I mean, what a great way to look at the world. I think it's great. And um, I like the fact that you took just a local photography sh- workshop just because you had never done it and look what it led to. And, and I, I definitely believe in that kind of stretch yourself and just try something 
that you have just a minor interest because you, you never know how that can explode all over you. And I think that exactly. can lead you to all kinds of stuff. And that's exactly what I see um, happening to you. And I think also the disruption, what's interesting is have all these photos been published anywhere besides your site? Oh, yes. Yes. They all Many. have, or, but, but some of them may um, not have, right? Because you can publish yeah, exactly. for yourself now. Like you don't, have to, you don't have to shoot just because it's going to be for a different outlet. Exactly. You, you can be your own outlet, correct? I mean, obviously. Exactly. In fact, that was a new thing I also put up too as a shop section on my site and created a link ah. so people can buy these things. So another way to monetize it, instead of just putting it on Instagram, somebody might want to have a, a beautiful print in their living room or in their bedroom. Ah. So yeah, so you'll see some stuff that's client work on there and then you'll see all the uh -huh. personal work. And right. you know, some of that's been published over the years and a lot of it's just for fun because you've got to keep that balance of fun as well. You can't okay. lose that. So, so a lot of it is about seeing the world in a different way and also getting unstuck and really pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and that get you help get if needed. Lazy. Get mm -hmm. help if needed. Okay. Wonderful. Oh my God. Thank so you. So interesting. What a pleasure. Thank so you. And I'm so glad. Oh gosh. I'm so glad we did this. This is going to, you're going to have all these people now who are going to jump out there and start using hopefully their visual skills in different ways because of you. Oh, so. I hope so. I hope so. Right. I look forward to seeing them following me on Instagram or going to my website. And by the way, the spelling's a little unusual. So I'm yes. going to spell so, that for you. Yes, it's please Julian. Do. It's J U L I E N. M-C-R-O-B-E-R-T-S, so julianmcroberts.com, or you can find me on Instagram as well. Great. And I look forward to hearing back from you and seeing people on my, my Instagram and follow Great. them back. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you everybody for joining us at reinvent yourself with leslie jane seymour i hope you enjoyed this conversation with jillian julian mcroberts and i hope that you took some tips from here and i hope that you can employ some of them and it will help you give yourself ideas about how you might rethink where you are or how you might get unstuck if you like our podcast. I hope you will subscribe. And if you do like it, please give us some stars. Give us a lot of stars. That's how other women or men who are interested in reinventing themselves will find us. That's the only way they find us. And I so appreciate you being here with us. I hope this has been valuable time for you. Come join us at cubbyclub.com. Join our Facebook pages and our Instagram and our Twitter feed and be part of the Covey Club experience. We want you to find more enjoyment in your life, more direction and more excitement, no matter how old you are. Thank you. See you next time.